so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. So this morning we are continuing our series um, that we're calling Get Real. Things have certainly gotten real. Uh, in our lives in the last week. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, uh, there's, there's uh, been people who've, who've lost jobs, people who have uh, had to close down their businesses. Of course, there's many people who are unwell. And, and so uh, things have gotten real in terms of our, our fight against coronavirus this week. Um, and, and so uh, we've been journeying through this series as well in the lead up to it, and we're getting back to that now through the book of James in the Bible that, that talks about getting real in our life and in our faith. And so when we think about getting real, it means a faith that actually exists, a faith that isn't an imitation or a pretend faith, a faith that is genuine and authentic. And so if you're unfamiliar with the book of James, this is five chapters of getting real in our faith. If you're unfamiliar with the book of James, some of the language James uses is quite confronting. He's a man who says it how it is, so to speak. Uh, but James is calling the church, he's calling all of us to get real in our faith and in our life. And so I, I thought there was no better time than for, for now for us to get back to this series. Uh, what does it look like to get real in our faith in the midst of a time like this? And so over the last weeks of this series, we've talked about having a call to authentic faith. We've talked about putting our faith into action. We've talked about the power of our tongue and been really careful with how we use our words because they can give life and death and that we should use them in ways that honor God. And so this morning, we're starting into chapter 4. In fact, we're going to cover all of chapter 4 this morning, which is really a call to submit fully to God. And so it might be a little bit strange, but I want to start in the middle of James chapter 4. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, we have the the version Bible app. The event is up on there. So if you're in Yas, you should be able to just go to the events portion of that. If you're not in Yas, you'll have to type in search our church and it should come up. And there'll be Bible notes there. And Carl's put that up on uh, the chat on Facebook and YouTube if you want to find it there. And so we're going to start in the middle of James chapter 4 because this is uh, really the, the, the whole point of this whole chapter. Submit yourselves then to God. That's how James begins chapter 4 verse 7. This is the key point of the whole chapter, James chapter 4. This is the take-home message. If, if you're getting a little bit bored, you can tune out now and take this. I encourage you not to, but to take this message, submit fully to God. But, but submit is a word we don't use very often, at least not in a positive context. But submit really just means to acknowledge. To submit to God to is acknowledge Him as God. To submit to God is to agree with His way of life. It's to acknowledge, it's to agree, it's to surrender. It's to abide. It's to bow down to. And so when we're talking about submitting to God, it's all of these things. Acknowledging His authority, yes, but worshipping Him, bowing down to Him alone. The ancient Greek for this word, so James originally wrote this letter to all of God's people in in ancient Greek, and, and the word he used for submit literally means to put oneself under. And so if we're going to submit to God, it's talking about putting ourselves 
under God, which of course does mean putting ourselves under his authority. It means putting ourselves in a position where he is the Lord of our life and we are under his authority. He's our God. But it also means putting ourselves under his love, his care and his affection. Uh, This morning, uh, one of our church family just sent me a text with Psalm 91 in it. And it speaks so much to kind of the heart of, of, of what it means to put ourselves under God. Psalm 91 begins, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. And so when we're talking about submitting to God, we're talking about putting ourselves under his love and care, putting ourselves under his authority, putting ourselves in a place where, where, where he can care for us and love us. And so James continues in this section, in the, in the middle section of James chapter 4, he says, Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And so James is, is, is talking in language of turning from one thing to the other. He's talking about resisting the devil's attacks on you, but he's also talking about, in, in biblical language, the devil is kind of uh, the, the, the crux of, of temptation, of, of desire that is sinful, of, of brokenness and wrongness. And so he's saying resist all that is broken, resist all that is sinful, resist temptation, and that will flee from you. And turn from that to God. Draw near to God, come near to God, and He will come near to you. There's this story that Jesus told that that we often refer to as the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Essentially, it's this story of of a son who betrays his father. In this story, we we are the son, and the father is, is represents God. And so it's this story of a son betraying a father and running off and, and seeking all the pleasure in the world that he could possibly find until he comes to an end of himself, until he realizes that he is helpless, alone and lost and, and decides to head back under the father's care. In these halting steps, he's, he's thinking in terms of justification, of, of, of trying to talk his way back in to the father's care. And so he stumbles back towards the Father, which represents God in the story. And, and, and the Father, when he gets the first glimpse of him out on the horizon, runs towards him, embraces him, puts a robe around him, puts a ring on his finger and throws a party. And, and so this, these words from James, come near to God and he will come near to you, remind me of this story. They remind me that, that when we take a stumbling step towards God, even if it's filled with self-justification, even if we're, 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 we're kind of not in the right place still before him, even if we're crawling on our knees, if we take a stumbling step towards God, as soon as he sees us on the horizon, he's running towards you. He's running towards me. And so James is inviting us to, to turn away from all that is wrong and broken in the world that, that comes under the enemy's power and turn towards God that he might run towards us 
and welcome us and that we might once more come under his authority, his love and his care. James continues in, in verses, uh, in this middle section of James 4, and he says, uh, after saying, draw near to God and, and he will come near to you, he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, I don't know about you, but I've unfortunately met some Christians who this must be their favourite part of the Bible. This grieving and mourning and, and just been miserable. Uh, but that's not what James is getting at here. He's not, he's not saying Christians should be miserable. It's not that God wants us to be grumps. These are all images that, that come through Israel's long history with God of, of repentance, of this turning from, from evil, from the enemy to God. Uh, the one part of this that I'd encourage you to take literally in this season is the wash your hands part. We should all be washing our hands, but, but this is more metaphorical of what it means to turn away and turn towards, to turn away from the broken, the sinful, the dysfunctional, and turn towards the holy, the loving, the caring embrace of God the Father. Because the reality is that any joy and laughter apart from God is fleeting and circumstantial. And many of us have discovered that this week and the weeks that have led up to this point, that, that the joy, the laughter that this world has to offer apart from God is fleeting. And so God is not saying through this part of the Bible, He's not saying, I don't want you to be joyful, I don't want you to have laughter, I don't want you to be happy. He's saying that, that, that He wants us to turn away from what the world offers apart from Him and turn towards Him. And so this, this final verse of this middle section is key. James says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. This word humble has, has a similar meaning to submit. It means to bring ourselves low. And so James is saying here, if we bring ourselves under God's care again, he will lift us up. If we turn from the fleeting desires and joys and laughter that the world offers apart from God and place ourselves, submit ourselves to God fully, then He will lift us up. He will fill us with a joy and a laughter that endures beyond circumstance. He will fill us with a peace that endures beyond every trial. This is not, and I want to make this clear, this is not our justification for being miserable and grumpy as followers of Jesus. This is our encouragement to find joy and laughter and dancing in the only place that it will endure through every season. And so if we're going to get, get real in our faith, if we're going to apply this uh, scripture to our lives, then, then we need to take this opportunity to place our lives under God. Uh, we need to uh, take this opportunity of our lives been interrupted and disrupted uh, by a global pandemic and, and to pause and take the opportunity to reset and think about, well, where is my life placed? 
Where is my security placed? Where are my hopes and dreams placed? And so I want to encourage you, take this opportunity to submit fully to God, to put your life under His care, under His authority, under His love, under His protection, under His peace. Put your life in His hands. And so if you're joining us this morning and, and, and this is kind of your first glimpse at what church might be like, this is the first time you've, you've kind of explored what God's Word has to say, I just want to encourage you that, that you can right now, wherever you are, put your life under God's care. Just in your heart, say a simple prayer. God, I want to place my life in your care. Amen. And so this is the core of James chapter 4, but then branching out before it and after it, James goes on to to, uh, talk about what this might look like in practice in four key areas. And so we're going to go through these pretty quickly, but but at the start of the chapter, in James 4 chapter 1 verse 3, sorry, James 4 verse 1, 3, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that, that battle within you? You desire, but... You do not have, you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so James is encouraging us to, as we submit fully to God, to, to be people who are laying our desires down before God. He's saying the underlying cause of all conflict in our life is unmet desires. We fight and kill, but we can't get what we want. James is saying no matter how far you go to try and get what you want from other people to fulfill your desires through other people, he's saying even if you go to the point of killing, that's never going to satisfy you. You never get what you want no matter how hard you try. He's saying because we don't ask God. We, we don't get what we want because we don't submit our desires to the one being the almighty God who can actually satisfy them. And then he says, well, even if you do, you're not just submitting your desires to him, you're presenting him your shopping list of the things that you're trying to get from other people. James says that we need to take our desires to the only one who can satisfy, the only provider who is God himself. And so I think this is, in a season like this, why part of the reason why sometimes we get so angry at our leaders. Not that it's not okay to have legitimate disagreements with decisions that our leaders make, but, but part of that anger within us at times is because we want from them something they can't give us. We, we want peace. We want security, we want certainty, we want stability and, and no president or prime minister or, or leader can give us that in a season like this. As I said, it's not, it's not that it's not okay to, to have a difference of opinion but, but that resentment and anger that we get inside sometimes is because we're asking of them something they can't give. Uh, only God can give us peace. Only God can give us security and stability uh, irrespective of what's happening in the world. 
And so submitting fully to God looks like laying our desires down before Him. Not just asking for what we want, but, but asking Him to reshape our desires. Submitting them, laying them down before Him. James goes on in the next few verses, in verse 4 and 6, to, to talk about uh, that submitting fully to God looks like bowing down only to Him. He says, you adulterous people, and I want to say that word adulterous is not saying that you're all uh, committing adultery, it's, it's, it's kind of biblical language for not just bowing down to God, but bowing down to other things in life. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or, or being an enemy against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the Scriptures say without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. And so this might be a bit confusing because James is saying here anyone who's a friend of the world is an enemy of God's. But elsewhere, we've got to remember that verse, John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. We've got to remember that Jesus was described as the friend of sinners. And so how do we interpret what James is, is, is calling for us to follow in his words here? Well, I want to suggest that the key to understanding and bringing these two ideas together is that the love of God for the world was redemptive. He sent his son to redeem it. And so Jesus came into the world out of love for the world, but not to leave it as it was, not to indulge in all the brokenness and dysfunction and sinfulness that the world has to offer. He came to redeem it from all of those things. He was a friend of sinners that he might redeem them from their brokenness. And so when James is saying here that they were a friend of the world, then we're an enemy of God, he's saying if, if your friendship and the Greek word, the ancient Greek word, remember James wrote this in ancient Greek, the ancient Greek word here for friendship means to have a deep intimacy and affection for. And so James is saying if your deep intimacy and affection is for the things that the world has to offer, the things of, of brokenness, of dysfunction, of injustice, if your desire is to indulge in these things, if your desire is to live off these things, then he says you're living in opposition to God. You, you might bow down to God on a Sunday, but you're bowing down to the things of the world Monday through Saturday. And so James's call to get real here, he's called to submit ourselves fully to God, is a call to bow down only to God. Yes, love the world, but love it as Jesus loved it, with a redemptive love. Yes, be friends with, with as many people in the world as you can be, but, but let your friendship be redemptive, not an engagement and indulgence in the dysfunction of this world. And so submitting fully to God, it, it means laying down our desires to Him, it means bowing down only to Him. And then if we, we jump to the other side of, of this, that core passage at the center of this chapter that we started with, James says in verses 4 to 11, he says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or, or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are, keep, you are not keeping it. 
but setting sitting sorry in judgment on it there is only one lawgiver and one judge the one who is able to save and destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor and so james is saying here if we're going to submit fully to god it means submitting all judgment of others fully to him we have this human predisposition to, to judge, to rank, to categorize others, uh, primarily to see where we fit in. And so we want to judge, we want to judge other people down here, and so that we can feel like we're up here. We want to classify and rank. But James reminds us that there is only one judge. His name is Jesus. And so if we're going to submit fully to God, if we're going to submit fully to Him, it means submitting, uh, letting go, leaving all judgment to Him. When we place ourselves under God, that's the only classification that matters. Am I under God? It doesn't matter where other people rank and sit. We don't need to compare and judge even if we think their behavior is wrong, and I'm not talking about if it's our position to, to correct them and guide them on a, on a right path, I'm saying just when we see someone over there who's behaving wrongly, it's not our job to judge them. If we're going to submit to God, we leave judgment to Him. And finally, uh, the, the final thing that James has to say about what it looks like to, to submit fully to God to surrender to him is is he talks about surrendering our future plans to him uh, now this this section of James chapter 4 it could have been written yesterday it's so relevant to our present situation James says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city spend a year there carry on business and make money why you do not even know what tomorrow will bring what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will leave and do this and that. And, and, it's, and as it is, you boast in your arrogant selves. Although all this boasting is evil, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do but doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And, and so James is saying we go about our lives making plans. And he's not saying planning is bad. He's not saying planning is wrong. He's just saying well, you, you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's so true of our lives at the moment. Our lives have been so interrupted uh, by this pandemic. We, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, that's kind of why last Sunday feels like six months ago because so much has happened since then. The point is not that, that God has put this upon us and interrupted our plans, but, but the point is that we need to surrender our future plans to Him because He's already in our tomorrow. He already knows what the future holds. We need to submit our future, our plans, our hopes and dreams to His will. 
To, to place ourselves under God, to submit to Him, is to place our lives and our plans for the future under His will. It's, it's good to have plans, but as James says, we, sh- we should have the heart, and it's okay to say the words, but I think the point is the heart and not the words. We should have the heart that says, if it's the Lord's will, that, that we put the Lord's will first and not our plans. I think uh, this is a moment in our lives where God is inviting all of us to surrender all of our future to him. It's a moment where the pause button has been hit on the entire world and we have this opportunity to stop. And to place our lives under him. To submit fully to him and, and, and to surrender all of our future to him. So many of us have had interrupted hopes and dreams. So many of us are, are, are not sure where to next and, and how long and when for. And, and so I want to encourage you to take this moment of your interrupted life to, to submit, to surrender, to lay down, to give your future to him. With him, our, our future might not look like what we thought it would. That's all too real right now. But I can assure you of this, with him, our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our, our lives submitted fully to him, our future is in safe hands. There's no better place for us to place our future, not just our future, our entire lives. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you're at with God, whether you're angry, whether you've journeyed with Him for a long time, whether you don't yet know Him, wherever you're at with God this morning, I want to encourage you to take this moment to submit your whole life to Him to lay down your desires to him, to bow down to him and to him alone, to surrender all judgment and classification of others to him and to put your future in his hands. We're just going to take a moment now to pray as Eliza plays. And I want to pray for you this morning. And I invite you to join me in praying for not just our community, but our nation, our entire world as we face uh, the threat of this coronavirus. It's a time like this that we truly realize how much we need God to join me in prayer. Father, I pray this morning for everybody who's joined with us. We thank you for the gift of technology that's enabled that to happen. 
pray, Lord, that you would enable each of us by the Holy Spirit, wherever we're at with God right now, to place our life under you. Under your authority as as the Lord and Saviour is our life, under your love and care as our protector and provider. Father, I pray that we wouldn't lose this moment of disruption and interruption. We wouldn't lose it as an opportunity to surrender to you in a whole new and deeper way. So, Father, I submit my whole life to you. And Father, we pray for our communities. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. We pray for all those who are sick with coronavirus and other things. We pray that you would bring a wave of healing across this planet, that you would glorify yourself through, through just washing over the planet with healing. Father, we, we pray that you would protect uh, the people in our families and our lives from illness. We pray that you give us wisdom uh, to act appropriately to care for others um, with appropriate uh, distancing and, but also appropriate connecting and reaching out through the means that we have, Father. Father, we, we pray that you would guide us through this season. We thank you that you're a light in the darkness. We thank you that you're hope in the midst of our grief. We thank you that you guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.